My friends, welcome back. This is the first day of the week, I think, for most people listening. So hope you had a wonderful weekend. Happy Tuesday. This is Elliot Lane. Technically, I am a co-host of Benzinga's Cannabis Insider, but you know we should all go uh, through a little therapy and through some abandonment classes because Javier Jase has absolutely abandoned us the past three shows, uh, and I have today and on Thursday at 4 Eastern time by myself. Uh, but that being said, drop your comments and questions in the chat. First one to y'all, say hey if you're there. Tell me your favorite cannabis stock. But past that, I would love to know, are you doing dry January? Are you doing dry January? I feel like it's been a consistent theme this year more than any other year uh, like that I can remember in recent history. Dry January is now like if you're not doing it, you're not cool. So if you're not doing it, feel free to use this audio. You're not cool, per me. Um, I'm not doing it. Uh, but <laughs> that being said, there is a new poll. As you see the banner on the screen, if you're watching this on YouTube, if you're listening to this later, there's a new poll out that one in five people doing dry January are using cannabis as an alternative. So I have a couple questions Right, so if you're just doing this to to save your organs, to save your body, uh, give your your body a break from alcohol, totally fine. I think this is really cool. But if you're doing dry January for the psychological aspect of it, is this not a little uh, a little counteract counterintuitive here? I, I don't know. I don't. Know. Just a question. I'm just, I'm, just, I'm not trying to poke too much, uh, but I but I think it's a uh, you know worth 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 pointing out. But that being said, I think it's a, a cool update for the industry. So that being said, maybe we'll get Marion's thoughts. We do have uh, an awesome guest coming up, the CEO and founder of Simplifya, Marion Mariathasen. I hope I said that correct. Correct. Um, probably did not. I should have asked beforehand, but a leader in compliance in this industry. We're going to continue that theme. We spoke with Metric last Thursday, speaking with Simplify today. These are topics that must be had. My name is Elliot Lane. Of course, there is my Twitter handle. If you want to give me a quick follow, I'm an okay follow at best. Uh, so some other news. Sundial, S-N-D-L on the NASDAQ, finishes, finishes their acquisition of Valens, V-L-N-S on the NASDAQ. Um, I will say Valens was going through the struggle bus a bit uh, in terms of keeping up with NASDAQ regulations. I think this was a bit of a saving grace for them, but Sundial does get a pretty valuable asset. Uh, Valens was uh, a leader for years in the Canadian space uh, and, and really cannabis industry at large. So I love this acquisition. Um, I think they got it at a good price. Uh, and I think overall what Sundial is building portfolio wise, this is really, really becoming uh, a heck of a company uh, from my perspective. Viridian Capital Advisors. Y'all, who do you think the top cannabis stock is in terms of um, money? in terms of balance sheet, in terms of, of things that investors look at well. Uh, Viridian Capital Advisors has been releasing some knock-dead data. Y'all, if you don't follow them, A, they've been putting out newsletters for years. Viridian Capital Advisors, Scott Griper over there is a good friend of ours. Uh, he puts out some really cool newsletters, some great data. Uh, they have some amazing data. They're starting a subscription uh, platform, I believe. It is public knowledge. Uh, but that being said, uh, just go check out their data, subscribe to their newsletters, um, and, and that is awesome. But per their data, Green Thumb, 
no surprise here, right? OTC listed GTBIF leads with the highest average uh, between liquidity, leverage, profitability, and size. However, Planet 13 OTC listed listed PLNHF is the top cannabis stock over $100 million market cap, which there are only 15 uh, when it comes to liquidity. So Planet 13, I think uh, a very nice um, call out there from Scott. Very important to understand. Size, so the the top size uh, of the operator in terms of a hundred million dollar market cap stocks or more goes to Cureleaf, C U R L F on the OTC, T C N N F. That's True Leave on the OTC. Also, thank you, Aaron. Don't don't feel free not to keep up with me, but Cureleaf there um, is top size. I think True Leave is second in size, but came in very close to G T B I F to in all categories. So they were a close second there. Ianthus didn't perform very well. Um, overall, but again, there are just 15 companies here. So I'm not sure you look at the bottom in something like this It's more. So, um, you know, those that are winning out. So quite a bit happening, uh, on the public company side in terms of which stocks do you invest in, right? And we're looking at these MSOs, what are ETFs invested in, you know, 80%, I think, or seven, between 70 and 80% of MSOS or those tier one MSOs. Um, you know, we've seen a, a foray of, um, <laughs> tweets from the likes of like Alan Brockstein, you know, on, if you follow him at all, you follow advisor shares at all, which is the, um, the, the company behind MSOS, you see that there are those who don't like tier one MSOs such as Alan Brockstein. However, if you follow Pablo Zwanich, there are many analysts out there who are saying those are probably the only good buys in, in this industry. Currently, they're really widening the gap. So what do you all think? Drop your questions in the chat. Let us know in an email afterward. We'd love to hear from you if you're listening to this podcast down the road. Um, that being said, just to fill you all in quickly, keep an eye, as always, on Minnesota. They're continuing to march downhill uh, in legalizing here. We're going to have maybe some law changes in Virginia, um, making it more accessible to sell marijuana in the state. Hawaii and New Hampshire uh, looking like they're about to get more active in the full legalization discussion. In New Jersey, approves 56 conditional adult use cannabis licenses. So we are moving in a good direction, y'all. It's not all doom and gloom. We do have a long road to hoe here. Uh, but that being said, there is a lot happening in this industry, and you can stay caught up. Benzinga.com slash cannabis throughout the day. Download the Benzinga app. Scroll over to the cannabis section. Get all your cannabis news you could possibly want whenever you want it right on your mobile. I called it a mobile. I'm 60 years old. A cell phone, your cellular, whatever you want to call it. That being said, let's keep it moving. That's it for me today. I want to bring over CEO and founder of Simplifya, Marion Maria Thassen. God, I hope. I'm so sorry, Marion. I know I know how to say it, but I butchered it twice and no, did it two man. different ways. You two different said, ways. You actually said it correctly the first time. It's Marietasen, so Marietasen. That's, that's impressive. It's a it's a tough uh, it's a tough word. You know, I went like I was like, you know what? If that's not right, I'm going to change it up and go a different <laughs> way, just in case. And I guess I shouldn't have. But my friend, welcome on. We've actually never had Simplify on this show, if I'm not mistaken. So thrilled, man, to have you here. Give us Thanks, a buddy. quick sense of what who Simplify is. What, what does Simplify do for the cannabis space? Yeah, thanks for having me on, Elliot. Uh, so Simplify is the now the longest running and leading regulatory and operational compliance company in the industry. We, we were founded back in uh, 2016. 
Um, and just for your audience, if they don't know, because I think the word compliance gets so freely kind of used and kind of also confused in this industry. Um, regulatory and operational compliance is basically ingesting every piece of regulation that's uh, that's uh, put out there by regulators. Um, and so it, it's basically all the regulations, how you should be running your business to stay compliant. That's what we call it regulatory and operational because, you know, you have seed to sell compliance, you have POS compliance, and those are all subsets of the larger picture of, of regulatory and operational compliance. So how do you, in that so, world, that's, that's what we do. That's, that's impressive. So, you know, I guess a couple, let's start on, I'm curious about both ends of this, you know, how do you get the data and how do you give the data? Uh, to those who who are searching for, but let's start with the get the data. How are you collecting all that information? Yeah, so as a regulatory uh, tech company, so we have a whole team called um, an RA team, regulatory affairs team, and they're all lawyers and policy folks. And literally, all they do is sit there and ingest the regulations. So they have close relationships with regulators. Um, so we use technology as well as humans to actually sift through ingest those regulations as the company's name implies simplifier we simplify it down to a 12th grade reading level and we convert them into yes or no uh, uh, questions uh, that people can answer and so it's it's ingested through human and technology then we present it to our operators through uh, an audit uh, piece of technology through web app mobile app tablet app so that people can walk through a facility answer the questions and at the end of it, it pops out a report that says here's where you're compliant here's where you're not and for those areas of non-compliance wow. we even take it one step further and tell you how to fix them so this is fully automated you're yep. wow yeah that seems um unusual for me at least from what i've heard but i'm i may be behind on the times yeah no it's uh you know the it's you know, we, we always joke compliance is probably the least sexiest part of the industry, but it's it's something that must exist, right? Especially if, if you want, you know, we all want federal, some sort of federal movement. We want safe to pass. And if, if that's the case, then it's all about accountability and, and compliance is a, a real part of that equation. And what, what part of the game do you think you're in, though, in, in the sense of, of compliance? And I'm not talking about the data you're receiving. I'm really talking about the product you've built uh, at large here, right? You know, there's a lot of people who look at these compliance products and may just not know how to use them correctly Correct. and, and are blaming the product or they're blaming the, the, the level of technology. But I'm just curious from your perspective, it, are you a company that, you know, if we went federal tomorrow, you would be able to transition. It would be normalized. You'd be there with them. Is that possible? Uh, I'm just curious, what part do you think you're in? Yeah, so as it stands now, Elliot, you know, since there is no federal, we ensure that so we we cover 29 states at this point, and uh, we're working quickly to cover all the states that are coming online and that currently exist. But you know, if federal legalization was to happen, uh, you know, essentially you're going to take all the state regulations and then you're going to add on top of that another layer of, of federal, right? So mm -hmm. this is something that uh, we are certainly aware of what might need to happen and how it'll happen. And, um, you know, we react very quickly. I mean, we've been around, you know, six plus years now. And so we've, <laughs> we've kind of figured out, not to say that we're perfect, but we certainly try and uh, stay on top of all these things. 
Absolutely. So on your website, our products are used by licensed operators, government, lawyers, consultants, insurance, and financial institutions. Obviously, not all of them are auditing a product, right? right. So I imagine some of them are ingesting the data for other purposes, such as investment opportunities and right. or, you know, for government, um, I, you know, maybe you want to go into that. But, you know, in terms of, you know, all of these different um, client bases that you have, are they all recurring? Do, are they all consistently using you? I'm just curious your, yeah. your product model there. Yeah, so government is is the new part, and I'll touch on that briefly. So um, we have a tool for enforcement. Um, as you may or may not know, you know, a lot of the enforcement agencies are still using paper and clipboard when they go out there, right? And so they have they have very um, limited budget, limited resources, and so we've created a tool for them to be able to kind of streamline their work. That's cool. Um, uh, but when it comes to financial institutions and insurance, and so we have a whole host of different products. The core product is what is used by license operators. That's where we started, Elliot, uh, this audit tool. And we have SOP packages bundled into that. Um, but then for financial institutions, it's all about accountability, right? If you want to bank with uh, a credit union or a bank, as an operator, you need to be able to show that you are abiding by uh, the rules of, of the where you operate. Um, uh, same thing with insurance. So we do from license monitoring. We have a new product called Regulatory Library, which lawyers use. And we have a product called Simplify Market Guide, which is a summary of every state and all the key elements that they, uh, you know, whether it's an investor or a lawyer or a banker, everyone needs to know about. So uh, you know, we're a very uh, active company in that we're constantly trying to solve problems. And it's all in that kind of sphere of uh, regulatory and operational compliance. That's kind of our, our, our niche, I, I suppose. So I imagine you get a lot of data that yeah. perhaps would pr would provide some insight into how well companies are doing mm -hmm. in, a, in a regulatory manner. I would imagine some of that's under NDA, but I'm just curious, are you able to, you know, give us a sense when people use you say for the first time, Sure. where are they? Like, like how often do you see them ace that audit? So that's, that's a great question, LA, but I, you know, it, it's one I'll answer this way. It really depends on how buttoned up an operator is in terms of before they sign up with Simplifya, did they have a compliance officer right now? Some of our biggest clients are the big MSOs. They have massive compliance teams. And yet having a tool like Simplify really helps them streamline all of their different locations, all the ever-changing reg regulations and whatnot. So to answer that question, it really depends. So if, if you already have someone focused on compliance who's very active on it, you know, first-time audit might yield, uh, you know, a score. If We don't do scores, but, you know, uh, uh, where... I'll just give you kind of an idea, maybe a 70%. Um, once they start using Simplify on an ongoing basis, um, you know, that score definitely goes up. I'll, I'll, you know, we get emails from clients often where, hey, an enforcement folk just walked in and thank God for Simplify because it just helped us like show that, hey, here's our report. We're doing this on an ongoing basis. Even if there were a few dings that, you know, they had missed during an audit, you know, uh, some sort of a regulator is going to be much more lenient with you if you show good faith and that you are doing your job versus, you know, you just don't have anything to provide. Right. So mm -hmm. um, that, I think that's the the key element there is to be able to like show proactive, uh, you know, 
work on your part in related industries um agriculture say you know mm -hmm. uh, you know do you have a baseline of how you created this product uh or is it is it really completely based on the regulations i'm curious like where the yeah. the baseline came from yeah so this this technology and the product was literally built from scratch for the cannabis industry wow um, i think you know you have companies that obviously can try and take an existing product off the shelf and customize it for various industries but in this case we spent probably the first two years literally talking to operators small large um, understanding the pain points and then building this product from scratch and it continues to evolve even now because just like the industry is constantly evolving our product is constantly evolving to serve that so, mm -hmm. who do you see signing up mostly now i i mean i would imagine you know, <laughs> licensed operators are always in need, but is yeah. there one of these, you know, categories of companies that you see it has a higher interest in, in understanding compliant regulations? Yeah, I, I would say for us, at least, uh, multi-state operators are um, a large part of our base because I think, um, you know, they're, they're really risk averse. They're much more buttoned up. They don't, they don't want to uh, fall anywhere through the cracks, right? Because they've got millions and millions of dollars of investment money. And, uh, you know, we always tell people your most valuable asset as an operator is your license. And, you know, if you really do get dinged or you get busted, you know, we're talking about thousands, if not hundreds of millions of dollars of fines, or you lose your license, which mm -hmm. is uh, <laughs> not a very fun place to be. So, you know, for us, it, it really, it kind of varies because we do have small mom and pop, but MSOs, but MSOs, I would say over the last year or so have been, uh, you know, mid-sized to the top ones. I've been flocking to our product for the, those reasons. Absolutely. Uh, and I'm, I'm looking at some of them, Cureleaf, Columbia Care, Cresco, yeah. uh, Juicy Air. I, I mean, you definitely have some great ones. Uh, and then, you know, some single state operators too, yes. uh, Silverstem, you know, so I guess level of product, right. you know, level of partnership with each of these companies, obviously Columbia care in Florida, West, West Virginia, New York, um, you know, all these other States, right. They're operating. And I imagine they need you, um, on a much larger level than a Silverstem. So maybe for some of the cannabis professionals that could be watching or in taking this content, what does that look like in difference between, you know, somebody that has multiple states versus somebody that is in, in just one state? Yeah, so it really, I, I think, you know, even with these big MSOs and having a large group of compliance teams, it's, it's really about trying to track every location, um, you know, documentation for every location, just uh, even if you have a large team, again, these regulations are ever changing, right, Elliot, that's the thing to keep in mind. So, it's, it's almost impossible for even a team of regulatory people within an MSO to actually stay on top of what's changing, um, you know, by license type, by location versus a company like Simplify, where all we do is sit there and monitor all this stuff and, and make sure it's up to date, right? So, uh, you know, for a single license operator, it, it, it can be, you know, it saves them money, right? Because again, um, you don't have to hire lawyers to do all this work. We do it for you from SOPs to the audit technology. It's all there for one kind of simple price. Same thing for the big MSOs. It's like they might have a lot more locations, but again, the cost factor there is drastically reduced versus human bodies that, you know, if you're, if you have tons of lawyers running around your, uh, operation. So. Oh, 
SOPs, it seems like there's no way we're we're at the final, they're even close to the final stage of where those will be in this industry. Sure. I mean, uh, for those of you that don't know what you probably all do, but just to say and clarify here, standard operating procedures. Yep. So what those are in cannabis, I would imagine we would could have a, a grand debate via a panel here, Marion, if you want to come back for that. Uh, but what what do you all base your SOPs off of? I, I mean, I, that may be a repeat answer, but I'm just curious specifically for SOPs, mm-hmm. you know, how are, are you um, gathering that information and or sure. judging what, what to put back out there? Yeah, so that's a great question, Elliot. So, you know, our RA team or regulatory affairs team, they literally extrapolate and create the standard operating procedures from the regulations that's published, right? By license type, by state. And so, you know, you read the legal jargon of uh, a regulation, and then they literally take that, simplify it down, and create that SOP bundle, you know, which is why the cost of creating SOPs is quite high, right? So mm-hmm. I think on average, uh, an MRB spends about 20,000 bucks to create uh, an SOP if they're using an attorney. And then if they're updating an SOP, it's about 8,000 bucks, right? On um, These are average numbers, obviously. Yeah. Um, you know, in, 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 in comparison, uh, with Simplify, it, it's, you know, less than $1,600 to get your SOP package and everything uh, with what we do. And then to update them, it's like 600 bucks, right? So way different numbers. But again, because we do this in volume and we're monitoring every one of the states that we're in and we're doing this, and because we are a SaaS company, you can save that cost of doing all this work for multiple clients versus when an attorney is doing it for, you know, one-offs. And oh. so it, it just, you know, scale. of it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I, I would love to actually have some sort of larger conversation around SOPs one day. Um, just to, you know, for us to actually highlight the different thoughts and opinions yeah. about, about what should be done there. Um, yeah. but that being said, maybe for another day, um, you know, let, let's talk a little bit about you, man. What, what was your history getting into creating a SaaS company in cannabis really long before it was the cool thing to do? <laughs> yeah. So I come from a tech background, Elliot. Um, so I've, I've been fortunate to have started, built and sold a handful of tech companies ranging from philanthropic software, real estate, automotive, just my backgrounds in tech. Um, I, I used to own a tequila company even and, and prior hmm. to that. Um, so I've kind of played around in a bunch of different areas. But, um, you know, my passion really comes down to solving problems in, and using technology. And when we first got into uh, the cannabis industry or me and our partners, it was really about, okay, this is obviously going to be a really cool industry and it's going to grow, not just, you know, because I'm based here in Denver, not just in Colorado, but nationally and then, and eventually internationally. So how do we create a solution that can basically, you know, save operators money, make their jobs easier, um, but also scale uh, on a national and global level. Right. So that was um, really the interest. And so I'm here because, the solving of problems. And I think cannabis is cool. And really interesting that, you know, the first thing you mentioned, there was philanthropic software, mm. you know, in a sense, this industry, I feel like is built off, um, you know, people giving back uh, and, you know, people fighting for something. Um, yeah. Have you seen any crossover between those two industries at all? 
Yeah, well, I mean, you know, when with the philanthropic software, it's just you're trying to get massive amounts of people engaged in, you know, community or global movements of, you know, trying to help one another, right? Mm -hmm. and, and cannabis, I think, uh, falls into that same kind of realm in, in that, uh, you know, this these are uh, good people with a passion for a plant that's been demonized that uh, shouldn't have been initially, right? And and I think cannabis, from a from a philanthropic perspective, it it's there to help people. You know, whether it you consume it to relax or you consume it because anxiety or depression, whatever the medical cases are, and that to me is still it's doing good, right? You're getting something that helps people, and that's I think the crossover in my mind, at least. Amen. Um, last yeah. question uh, for me: yeah. Do you make your own tequila? <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> I don't. Uh, you know, I still, I still am a big fan of tequila as a whole, uh, but you know, that's it's usually saved for a Friday evening uh, or a Saturday. But uh, no, I, I don't make tequila anymore. Fair enough, man. What's your favorite? You, you must have a favorite. Yeah, that's a that's a tough one. Um, so you know, it just kind of depends. I, I, I'll drink anything that's hundred percent blue agave. But Casamigos to Espolón to Milagro. Don Julio, you know, so there's a lot of different cool brands now and a lot of really, really good brands out there. But um, I always tell people, like, if you're not a tequila drinker, just make sure it at least has 100% blue agave because there are some out there that's, you know, uh, not. It's more flavored and they'll mm. leave you with a really bad hangover. Oh, <laughs> we don't want that. We don't want that. And we're talking about this during dry January. We are mean people, Marion. <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. Y'all only... What, 14 more days? You got this. I believe exactly. in you. Meanwhile, exactly. I'm going to go find some Casamigos. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that being said, Marion, thank you so much for being here, my friend. Really appreciate your thank time. You, A really man. nice deep dive into Simplify, uh, you know, how you're building compliance and regulation as, you know, a SaaS platform. Very cool. And looking forward to some more updates soon and hope to see you in Miami in April, man. But until then, be well, uh, stay healthy, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Elliot. Nice to be on the show. Awesome. Thank you again, Marion uh, Thassen. I, I got it that time, Marion Thassen. Uh, but that, that being said, fantastic show. Thank you all so much for tuning in, for listening afterward. Really appreciate it. Benzinga.com slash cannabis for all your news throughout the day. BZcannabis.com to check out our event in Miami, April 11th through 12th, and then Psychedelics, April 13th at the Fountain Blue. Uh, we already have a heck of agenda from the CMO of TrueLeave to the CEO of Kronos Group. Uh, it is just going to be another stellar one. So y'all be there or be square. With that being said, we will see you again on Benzinga's YouTube channel, 4 p.m. Eastern Time, Thursday. Until then, y'all be well. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. You are tuned into Benzinga's Daily Socks to Watch podcast, a place where each trading day you can get at least a handful of trading ideas handpicked by some good old zingers here at Benzinga. Maybe there is an upcoming news item we want to get on your radar. Maybe one of these companies we're going to talk about today just had some news that we think 
you need to get on your radar. Maybe we're just seeing a good old-fashioned trading idea or hearing some of our community members on Benzinga Pro talking about these stocks. Either way, we want to alert you to take a look at them, maybe put them on a chart, put them on a watch list. Consider if you want to make an investment or a trade. If you don't want to do either of those things, I guarantee you'll get some good education over the next 10 or 15 minutes or so of the podcast. Today is Tuesday, January 24th, 2023. Mike, you got a nice looking sweater on there. I heard you got some snow in New England. We did. We got <clears throat> like a foot and a half almost overnight. Oh my so lord! Maybe two. So we're uh, we're a little a little packed in, but yeah. Hey, it's a it's a nice day. It's it's sunny out. <laughs> you got? Are you stocked up on groceries for the next month? Oh, I don't know for a month. That, that's a little taller. <laughs> if it keeps it. snowing for the whole month, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, folks. Well, we're going to start off with a preview of our five stocks that we want to get on your radar for today. And then we're going to jump into each of these a little bit more, get you a little more depth of information, a little bit more of the why we have them on our radar for today, maybe for the rest of the week, maybe even into next week. Our first stock to watch for the day is advanced micro devices that's amd stock to watch number two is target tgt stock to watch number three is at&t it's ticker t just one number one letter in that ticker albemarle is ticker number four it's alb and our last stock to watch for the day is genius group gns the last spot in the stocks to watch mike is always kind of like our a really interesting one. And we have a little bit of an interesting story here in Genius Group. And we'll get to that one in about, I don't know, eight or nine or 10 minutes or so. Why don't you get us kicked off, if you don't mind, sir, with AMD? Yeah, you got it. So ticker number one, AMD. And this is a classic earnings report. But important to note that AMD is one of the few companies in the semiconductor space, AMD and Intel, that have really tried to step up their American investments. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of guidance they're going to be giving, especially in the semiconductor industry, but for the economy as a whole. They're going to be recording their quarterly earnings on Tuesday of next week. And they've generally reported between 4.05 p.m. and 4.15 p.m. Eastern time, historically. And again, just a, a important stock to watch if you're in the semiconductor industry, if you're not, and you want to have those macro indicator stocks, this is definitely one to watch. And we're going to be getting results from a peer in the space, Intel, ticker INTC, on Thursday of this week after market close. So, you know, as Mike was hinting there, AMD and Intel definitely have some overlap in what they've been doing recently. Maybe we can look at Intel's results a little bit later this week to try to take a guess as to how AMD's quarter is going to turn out when they're going to be reporting that again on Tuesday of next week. Stock to watch number two is Target. TGT saw a new bullish analyst recommendation from analysts over at Oppenheimer. They set the equivalent of a buy rating on Target. I believe um, I believe uh, it was an outperform rating. And just reading you a little bit here from the notes that Oppenheimer gave on Target as to that new bullish recommendation, the analysts believe that Target is, quote, well positioned to continue capturing share 
driven by digital efforts, store investments, merchandising success on the exclusive brand front, competitor liquidations over time, and partnerships with other brands and retailers. Let me just really quickly pull up that note because there was another comment here that I did want to highlight. Uh, Oppenheimer analysts, they were doing some channel checks at a New Jersey location. And I just want to find that. I should have I prepped it here, but I thought I'd be able to pull it up really quickly. Uh, so overall, we believe Target stores exited the holiday season with clean inventory levels. During our latest checks in Riverdale, New Jersey, we observed minimal clearance merchandise overall and less than at a neighboring Walmart location. Uh, Oppenheimer warning, warning that they see, you know, a few like bumps for Target over the near term. But medium term and long term, they are a favorite. They are a fan of Target as far as an investment decision goes. Awesome. Target's a, I, I have to say, they still, they're still, they have those unique brands like the Magnolia. They've got the interesting thing. They got a different model in a lot of ways than the Walmart. And uh, sure. I, I still love going to Target. I know so many people <laughs> still love going to Target and it doesn't seem to be slowing down. <laughs> Stock to watch number three, we've got AT&T, ticker T. And this is earnings coming out from AT&T and important earnings to watch for the telecom and consumer space. They'll be reporting their earnings Wednesday, tomorrow morning. And Peer in the Space Verizon reported their quarterly earnings and gave Lighter than expected guidance, but they were in line this morning. Uh, but Verizon shares were about down about 2% following the report. So it will be interesting to watch what T, AT&T, ends up looking like uh, as the big, big player in the telecom industry. Telecom space, not like the most exciting earnings-wise, but that's okay. As we've been highlighting, as you were just highlighting, Mike, uh, it's really important to follow earnings around the economy. And obviously, telecom is definitely a really big part of our economy. So, you know, maybe uh, and maybe the audience investors, traders out there are hearing this idea for AT&T and maybe they're not like, oh, I want to make an investment or a trade in AT&T. But I would definitely recommend tuning into, you know, like a Verizon today and an AT&T tomorrow to just see how the telecom space is doing as far as consumers and producers go. Stock to watch for Albemarle ALB. This is a lithium miner. This is one of the often cited lithium miners out there. If you ask a trader for a list of some lithium miners, this one is definitely going to be on there. That's why we've highlighted this stock on the podcast before. And uh, Albemarle gave some better than expected guidance Monday afternoon. And today they are currently right now hosting a strategy webcast to go over that guidance that they disclosed yesterday. That started at 9 a.m. Eastern time. Uh, and, you know, it'll probably go for about an hour or so. If you do want to tune in, go to Albemarle's investor relations page. That's what you can like Google search, Albemarle investor relations page. What will happen a lot of times is when a company gives some guidance and they have a webcast planned for like the next day. Usually they'll elaborate a little bit on that guidance that they gave. But for the most part, as far as like a trader goes, a lot of times the guidance is kind of already baked into the stock right when it is disclosed publicly to newswires. 
Um, but I thought this was an interesting one, just given that it is a pretty notable space as far as at least around our community goes. There's a lot of Benzinga Pro users that are talking about lithium plays a lot. So I wanted to get this one on your radar for the rest of the morning here. Oh, Mike, you are muted. Woo! Oh, oh, there, there we go. He is. There he is. <laughs> Stop to watch number five. You made it all the way to the interesting one that Brenty was talking about. Genius Group, ticker GNS. And this is a penny stock momentum play, but a very interesting story behind it. And shares were squeezed higher Monday as traders and investors circulated. Some news highlighted in a Benzinga, recent Benzinga article titled Illegal Short Selling Scheme puts Genius Group in David versus Goliath fight. And this is kind of the opposite of uh, the opposite of sometimes you see companies uh, making a hullabaloo about uh, people, you know, driving the stock price up or something along those lines. This is short selling, naked short selling schemes. And Genius CEO Roger James Hamilton with some very strong commentary on this. Um, he appeared on uh, Benzinga's YouTube channel Monday, and they're not planning to do an offering amid the sh short, the sharp rise in price, but from the article, and you can you can find it um, if you you know go on Benzinga, search Genius Group on the tickers, or or you could probably just Google search Benzinga article Genius Group. But some really interesting quotes from Roger Hamilton. Um, quote: We have a fiduciary duty to our shareholders to protect value. We are obligated by the SEC to have a committee in the actual company do internal audits and make sure there's no internal fraud, but. There's no responsibility to do the same for external fraud, and that could be so much bigger. The rules really need to change on that. Uh, he was also vocal about saying that we're throwing everything at this, including mentioning that other CEOs have reached out to him, that they're looking at bringing in a team of people from the FBI and from other or regulatory organizations. Wow. Um, it's a very, uh, very, I think, interesting story to look at whether you are you know, whether you follow the retail kind of movements of short squeezes and what some in kind of the industry players do or or individual players do of naked short selling or not. Yeah, this is a, a definitely a stock and a story to watch. And and you can tell Mike or or maybe tell me if you're thinking differently. I mean, the way that the genius CEO is positioning here, at least from some of the commentary on one of our YouTube shows yesterday I mean, he, you know, it seems like they want to make this into something much bigger that regulators are going to focus on. And, you know, maybe we look back on this and, and Genius wants to be one of the first management companies, uh, management teams that kind of like, you know, brought eyes on the need for external audit. You know, this would have, this would have, I think, definitely applied during like, you know, the GameStop stuff, right? Um, but, but we didn't really, you know, I, I guess GameStop management didn't really want to focus attention in that way. And it seems like, you know, genius is really kind of like draw some more attention to this and maybe, you know, try to help the industry out a little bit. Is that kind of the read that you got from it also, Mike? Yeah, it definitely seems like it's at least the intention is to be bigger than just a genius group thing. Like it just doesn't seem like it's going to stop there. Maybe interesting. Well, that is a very generous thing that the uh, genius management team is doing. I guess try to you know make try to level the playing field a little bit here for retail investors and for for corporations too. All right, folks, let me just 
check to make sure we hit all our five socks. And yes, we did hit you with all of our five socks today on Benzinga's Daily Socks Watch podcast. We'll be back tomorrow for Wednesday's edition of the podcast. I hope everyone has an excellent trading out there, trading day out there. Thanks for watching, everyone. Have an awesome day, guys. We'll catch you tomorrow. Did you know nearly all stock price changes of 10% or more result from a single news headline? That's right. News headlines have a unique ability to drive stock prices up or down. These news catalysts create trading opportunities every day. All you need is a little help to reach out and take them. And if you're looking to grow your portfolio, it doesn't matter if your investment budget is small or big. An easy-to-read stream of news headlines will increase your opportunities to profit from price changes in the stock market, consolidate a knowledge-based investment strategy, and grow your portfolio. All you need is Benzinga Pro and its powerful news alerts, price tracking, and portfolio monitoring to make a positive change in your trading performance. We've already helped thousands of retail traders across the world, and they could not be happier. Increase your market knowledge, boost your exposure to big movers, and make informed trades before major price changes. The opportunities are all around you. Subscribe now, and we'll skyrocket your portfolio today.